Hey, this has been awesome. Hey, I've asked uh, Sierra and Austin to come up and help me get the message started. And uh, Sierra's going to read from Psalm chapter 121, which is our main text, if you want to follow along. Would you all stand with us for the reading of God's Word? Let's see. Let's read that together. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help does come from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. If you guys could bow your heads and pray with me. God, I just wanted to say thank you for your word today and that each of us can listen and understand what Matt is trying to say and just take a deeper meaning than what we, the surface is. Thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. You can be seated. Well, it's always exciting to be able to see our graduates up here and uh, uh, hear of their future plans. I couldn't even pronounce some of the things they said they're going to go into, <laughs> but uh, sure proud of uh, all of our students and uh, proud to be a dad of one of them and excited to see where, where God's going to lead all of them as they uh, continue to follow him wherever, wherever he leads. And so, um, but at the same time, while you're in the middle of this excitement, and some of you have been here, it is a time of celebration as we see our students up here, but if you're a parent, there's also this uh, other, other little oh, I don't know what it is, a feeling within you, a little angst within you, maybe as a parent or a grandparent, as you're looking at your child up here, your grandchild up here, and you're kind of going, are they ready? <laughs> you know, what, what, what's life going to bring them, and what struggles are they going to face? Are they really, are they really ready to, to go and face this world? And there's just kind of this anxiety about that, and this, this fear, really, about that. Maybe you've been there, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you are that, that parent wondering that. Maybe you're a young parent right now and yours are this big and your fear right now is, my kids are going to be there before I know it. Yep, they are. All right? Enjoy your time uh, with, with your kiddos and, and pour into them, prepare them for this time. We all have fears. Today we're starting a new series called Let It Go, and uh, we're going to be talking about several different burdens that we have on us, we allow to become upon us, that weigh us down, and fear is one of those burdens that we allow to, to lay us down. We're going to be talking about that today. Uh, one of our key verses we're going to be talking about through this series is over in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where, where uh, the writer there says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And that, that imagery, let us throw it off, let it go. We're going to hang on to that scripture through this series as we talk about letting these things go that, that hold us back from what God is wanting to do in us, the transforming work that God wants to continue to do in our lives as his followers. And again, today we're going to be talking about let's, let's let go of fear. Now, that's easy to say, isn't it? It's easy to say, just let it go but so much harder to do as it continues to bubble up inside of us. So let's start off as we're talking about fear. Let's just define it uh, as we get going here. And, and, and I like how one minister put it. He said this, fear is an emotion caused by the belief of looming potential loss. Did you get that? Fear is an emotion 
caused by the belief of a looming potential loss. We all have those fears. It's that what if in life. What, what if that was to happen? Kind of a worst case scenario. Some of us are even wired more so in this way of just what's the worst thing that could happen? And we hold on to that and we let that be kind of a burden on us and weighing us down in life. Matter of fact, the media and advertisers and politicians love to focus in on the what ifs of life, don't they? What if this happens? You need to buy our product. We'll take away your fear. What if this was going to happen? See what's happening. If you vote for me, I'll take care of that. I saw a security system advertisement just this last week that said this, it feels good to fear less. That's a pretty good slogan, I have to admit. It feels good to fear less. And they're, they're playing on fear. And so this would be the appropriate time in the sermon where every preacher probably begins to talk about spiders and snakes and heights and all those good things that a lot of us fear. Public speaking, that's one that always comes at the top of the list. I'm, I'm doing one of the things that I fear most right now. And I do get scared. I still get nervous. Some of you think, no, surely not. Yeah, I do. I mean, no, number one, I'm in front of you all and I'm an extreme introvert. Number two, I'm handling God's word. <laughs> And it's better for a millstone to be thrown around, put around my neck, thrown in the sea if I get it wrong. All right? So I get a little scared, all right, whenever I get up here. But we all have those fears, those typical fears in life. I don't know if you saw on the news just a few weeks ago this uh, video we're about to watch where the man was coming home. And uh, if you have a fear of snakes, buckle up, all right, if you haven't seen it. Let's watch this guy. Watch the upper left-hand corner. Wham! Ow! <laughs> Kurt, take me to the hospital! Take me to the hospital! That's crazy! <laughs> uh, now, everyone, uh, you're going to go home and you're going to be looking at the door, aren't you? You know, it's like, where is it? Where is it? Now, if you haven't seen all the, the, the story on it, the snake ended up not being venomous. Um, you know, probably a black snake, which they can be a little aggressive and everything. But, but uh, I, I really want to just bring some snakes up here this morning and just make you just squirm all day or th throw. If you look under your seat right now, some of you might... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we all have some of those fears. Just, just, just grew up on this morning. I, I get up and I'm getting ready and there's a spider going across the floor. You know, it's like it's that season. You know, they're out. And I killed him. Um, but we all have those things that we, that we fear. Researchers, psychologists, they've kind of come up with five main categories of fear that we have that, that really all of our fears stem from. Uh, number one, most basic, is extinction. <laughs> it's, we're going to die. And, and uh, so that's why we, we are scared about those things like heights and snakes and, and all those types of things that could literally bring us to our death. Funny thing is, one out of one people still die. Um, it's going to happen. But we still fear very basic in all of our, in our minds and hearts. Uh, number two, mutilation. Ooh, kind of, ooh, that's kind of fearful just to think about. But that idea that you didn't die, but you lost a limb, <laughs> you, know, you lost some ability, some paralysis, whatever, and, and in such a way you, you can't function like you used to, and, and so now you're hindered in, in some way. Uh, there's a, autonomy or the loss of autonomy. 
where I've, I've now, maybe it's a health thing, paralysis, I, I now I'm dependent on others. That's why it's so hard for some to, to give away the car keys, because now I have, to, I have to depend on somebody else to drive me around. And then there's separation, that loss of a loved one. Maybe that's some of what, as a parent and seeing our kids up here, this is kind of symbolic of their leaving, and it's that loss of, a, of somebody being down the hall where they've been for the last 18 years, and it's, it brings some anxiety, some fear of what's going to be next in, in, our, in our chapter, in their chapter. Maybe it's as somebody who's single or, or, or recently divorced, and it's just, am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? Am I going to find that person who, who I can spend my life with that that fear separation. And the last one is this, ego. Ego. That fear of humiliation, that fear of uh, insignificance or failure. That's why they, public speaking is often at the very top of the list when it comes to, to fears because there's that fear that you're just going to humiliate yourself in front of everybody. Glad I've never done that. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Maybe I have. I don't know. Anyway, ego. That's one of the reasons we struggle, and I think men struggle more than any on this idea of ego, and we fear intimacy. We fear allowing others into our lives because what if they find out who I really am or, or find out something within me that they don't like, and I look less in their eyes, and it's that fear brought on by our ego. I, I think if we can clearly articulate what it is we really fear, it's then that we can begin to deal with that emotion in our lives. We can begin to, to dive in and get on the journey of letting it go and overcoming that. Psalm 121 that Sierra read, just read for us is a great text for us to run to. We're going to spend uh, the rest of our time really in there. And, and really to understand that text, we've got to understand the section of text that it is within. Uh, from chapters 120 to 134 are known as the Psalms of Ascent. Psalms of Ascent. Uh, meaning these 15 songs were songs, believed to be songs, that the Israelite people would sing on their way to Jerusalem for one of the celebration feasts of the year. And so on their way, they would sing these. We really don't know how they sang them, when they sang them. Some believe it was on the way, specific points along the way. Others believe it's right whenever they got to the temple that they would sing these songs. But whatever the case, it's, these songs were songs that they would sing on the way. And it begins with chapter 120. And when you read chapter 120, it really sets the stage for the rest of the, the, the songs as the writer of the song lays out what his fears and anxieties were, and where, more than that, where they came from. And what you find is it came from the lying and deceitfulness of the people around them and the violence of the people that they had been around or this person had been around. And so it's out of the, the influence of the world that there was fear and anxiety, and maybe that's why they were singing these songs as the Israelites are going through the lands and different lands. I don't know, maybe they're having to go through enemy territories or people that didn't like them territory, and, and so they're singing these songs. This is where we're at. We're a despised people, and, and people look down on us, and it created some fear and anxiety within them. Have you ever had that? 
As we look at our world today and we watch the headlines or you get on your social media and the things that pour into us, sometimes the things that we see and the same things that we read can create anxiety and fears within us. Whether things said directly to us or things we just see said, it can bring us to fear and anxiety. Matter of fact, researchers are showing, a, uh, many researchers are showing a great correlation between the rise of social media and the rise of anxiety in people, and especially in young people. Do you know that today, a normal student, a normal student tests higher with anxiety than a, a child psychiatric patient of the 1950s? hear that? A normal child today tests higher on anxi- in anxiety than the child psychiatric patient of the 1950s. I don't believe we've really figured out yet or recognized fully the impact social media and technology is having on our young people. And so we, we've got to help them. We've got to be there for them. And I believe it continues, or it happens with us as well, with adults as well. It can, it can rise our level of anxiety. It's, it's interesting. Students, um, I think adults, again, I think we fall in the same realm. There's, there's less concern about exactly what is said in comments or said in, in posts and more concern over, did somebody like my post? Did somebody comment on my post? Because they're beginning to find value in just the fact whether or not somebody responds to them. Their value is based on that. It's like, no, that's not where your value is at. And as a Christ follower, it's like, no, your value is not found on a social media site. It's found in Christ. I'm going to go off on a whole different tangent here. I'm going to stop. The question right now is, where do we find power to overcome our fear? Where do we find what it takes to let it go? So if Psalm 120 identified the source, Psalm 121 that we just read identifies the power source to overcome our fear. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me again real quick here. It says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I like where he starts there. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where do our eyes tend to go whenever we're down and out and fearful? Ever watch a football team, basketball team, baseball team, any team, whenever they're losing, especially students, kids, you know, it's like, oh, one of the most important things a coach can coach is attitude over skill. It's boys, get your heads up. Girls, get your heads up. Game's not over. Come on, we can still win this thing. The writer here begins, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Some, there's some question about the hills. What hills is he looking at? Some believe that he's talking about the, the pagan high places, and so I'm, I'm looking up and I'm, I'm looking past those hills. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even paying attention to the pagan gods. They're all messed up. I'm looking beyond them. Others believe that he's talking about the hills of Israel. If they're on this plain and they're walking to, 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 to Jerusalem, Jerusalem's a high place, and, and so maybe he's, he's looking to the God of Israel, and that's where I'm looking to find myself source of strength and source of power. It really doesn't matter which way you go on this because he defines who he's talking about there here in just a second. But then he goes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? That's his question. 
Where's my help? In my fear, in my anxiety, in, in my concern in this life that I'm in, where do I turn? Never ask that question. Where do I go? Verse 2, my help comes from, comes from the Lord. And in case there's any question of what Lord, what God I'm talking about here, he says this, who made heaven and earth? That one, <laughs> okay? Not, not, not the pagan gods who, who were worshipped on the, on the high places and the high places who, you know, were gods of certain parts of creation or something. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the God who's the real God. Those are all fake gods, don't even exist anyway. I'm talking to those, to, to this God, the one who created it all. That's the one where I'm turning for my help. There's just one God. See who God is, the powerful creator of all things. Listen to me. Fear is decimated by the reality of God. Fear is decimated by the reality of God. And that is a message I believe needs to be heard and our students need to hear in this culture where we are being challenged more and more to think there is no God. Oh, yeah, there is. He's the God of God's Word. He's the God of the Bible. He's the God of creation. He's the God that continues to prove himself over and over and over again. He is real. And we can rest in that and hold on to that and let go of our fears knowing that. Look at verses 3 and 4. He keeps going. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. He gives us stability. See that first thing there? He will not let your foot be moved. He gives us stability. As we're on this journey, we're heading to Jerusalem. He's not going to let me fall. He's not going to let me get off course. He's going to keep me on course, give me the stability that I need in this life as I walk through this life and on this journey of life. And he's a God who won't sleep. That's interesting. He's not, not, not a sleepy God. He's kind of weird, you know. Uh, well, it was a common belief among pagan worshipers and pagan gods that, that their gods slap. Matter of fact, it wouldn't be uncommon that if you would bring your sacrifice to your God and did not receive an answer, whatever answer you were looking for, or the, the answer you were looking for, it would not be uncommon for the priest of that God to say, huh, I'm sorry, but our God must be asleep. I'm, I'm sorry you sacrificed your child today. Uh, if you got another one, you can bring him next week. Maybe, maybe our God will be awake then. The writer of the song says, no, 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 our God, he doesn't sleep. He is constantly present with us. He was always there with us. Sometimes we struggle to sleep, don't we? Do you know that in America, on average, 30 Tons of sleeping pills are taken every night. I'm not sure how much a sleeping pill weighs, but I'm not thinking it's very much. <laughs> so it takes a lot to come up with 30 tons worth. And you know what? On average, they say each sleeping pill helps you with. It brings you about an extra 11 minutes of sleep on average. Now, now, if, you, if you're one that takes them, I'm not, I'm not dogging it any means, but I'm just saying, we need help getting some sleep sometimes. We need some help shutting off the voices at night. Have you ever been there? You lay down, and then all the voices show up. 
Call, you're going through conversations through the day, what people said to you, what people said about you, and people showing up that you didn't even see that day in your head. And it's like, what are you doing here? And I, I love it. This last week, I, I was talking to somebody, and they, they heard a message where this was compared to your nightly committee meeting, where, where you, inv- you invited, well, actually, you didn't invite them all. They just showed up, and they're sitting around the boardroom of your mind and your life, and they all have something to say about you and to you, and it's usually not nice, and that's what keeps you up. It just, woo. and so the question is, who are you inviting to your committee meeting at night? Well, I'm thinking, if God's not asleep anyway, you might as well invite him. And I would just tell all the other people to shut their mouths. Because God's the one that's going to sleep to me. Because he is real, and he is present, and he knows best. So God, you talk to me. And maybe we can get a little better night's sleep. Fear is decimated by our hope of God's presence in our life. The reason we can sleep at night. It's because we know our God is not asleep. But he is at work in us and through us. He's at work in this world, and we can trust in him. And we can rest easy in that. We'll just trust in him. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day and the moon by night. Neither the heat of the sun or the cool of the moon can hinder you. And some people, you read the moon part, and it's like, the cool of the moon. I mean, I've never heard that be fearful, you know. I, mean, I guess there's some places where at night it can get really deathly cold, and maybe, they, maybe for them who are on a journey overnight could, could bring some fear that, hey, you know, it might be a brutal night and God's going to keep us. There's another idea when it comes to the moon, and that's the idea that, um, or in that culture, they had this idea that the moon could cause you to go crazy. So the word lunacy literally comes from lunar. And so when people talk about the crazy people come out when it's a full moon, <laughs> might not be too far off. <laughs> and maybe the writer's here saying, God, he'll protect you from the crazy people. That's good. That's a good word right there. I mean, come on. That's worth price of admission. But whatever the case, our God is our protector. He's protecting us as we go through our day. I, I, there's this word that he used over and over in here. He's our keeper. Look at verses uh, 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Uh, the Lord will keep you. Go, you're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He's going to keep us. He's going to hold us. Now, some people will read this and go, wait, he's going to keep us from all evil, but he, does he really keep us from all evil? Have you seen what's happening in the world? Have you seen what's happened to Christians around this world who are being martyred now more than any other time in history? Can you really say that he's going to keep us from all evil whenever people are dying for their faith? That doesn't sound like he's keeping. But I think we've got to understand what he's saying here. It's not he's going to keep us from it. But he's going to be with us through it as we go through the evil, as we face this world and its wickedness that he talks about in chapter 120, that he's a God who's going to still be there walking with us, protecting us through it. I've been next to a lot of gravesides where we go through Psalm 23, and one of the key words, I always stop and I say, here's the most important word. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, 
that God is with me. The shepherd is there as I go through it. He doesn't keep us from it, but he's with us through it, protecting us all the way. I think that's what Paul's getting at over in Romans chapter 8, whenever he gives us the whole list of things that we might face. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword come against us? Shall those things separate us from him? He doesn't say he's going to keep us from it, but he says when we face these things, is that what's going to is that going to separate us from God? He goes, no. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's keeping us as we go through this life. Fear is decimated by the knowledge of God's protection in our life. He's our protector, God. He's going to see us through it. Not going to keep us from it all the time. Sometimes he does. But when we're in the middle of it, he's a God who is there. And we can let go of our fear, trust him. What fears do you need to let go of today? What fears are you hanging on to? Maybe it's some of those we mentioned earlier with these students or parents or grandparents and these kids and what's going to happen with them. Maybe it's a health issue that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's financial loss. Maybe it's a marriage issue. Maybe it's, it's a, you're single and you don't know what's next. And I, the list goes on of the things that we fear, the anxieties that we have in our life. What, what is it that you need to, to let go of today? First John 4.18 of what the apostle says there. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Our God is love. When we come to him, we follow him, we rest in him, we find that he, he, can, he can take away that fear. He can help us let it go. He's the God who so loved us, so loved you, that he gave his only son for you on the cross. So that we don't have to have fear. We don't have to fear an eternity beyond this life. Because chances are in this room, there's, there's some that you don't know what's to come for eternity beyond this life. God made a way so that you could let go of that fear through Jesus because he loves you. Listen to me. Embracing God's love decimates fear. Embracing God's love decimates fear. Not going to church. Not going through the rituals that we find ourselves going through. Good stuff. Reminders. Things we need to do. Drawing near to our God, the God, the creator of heaven and earth, the all-powerful, real, present, protecting God who loves us so much. He's the one who can help us let go of our fear. God loves you. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 just says this. I'll close right here. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he, will, he may exalt you. And here it is. Casting all your anxieties. Other versions say casting all your fear on him. Why? 
because he cares for you. He cares for you. Sometimes we just need to be reminded. Sometimes we look at our life and we go, really? Yes, he does. And he's there if you will draw near to him. Walk with him and trust in him. Some of you today, you need to, you need to surrender to him. Give it to him. Surrender your life to him. Be baptized in him. Start a new life in him and life with hope and joy so that you can let go of your fear. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for being the God who you are. The creator of all things, all-powerful, constantly present, our protector. God, help us not to make little of you. and Help us not to see you as a small God, but God, you are so huge and your love is so huge. And God, help us to not get lost in the wickedness and the hurts and the disappointments of this world, those things that cause us fear and anxiety. God, help us not to get lost in these things. But God, help us to only hold on to you. God, we love you. Help us to love you more. And help us to let go of our fears so you can do even greater things in our lives and through our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.